0: hello and welcome to the gonna talk back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal news show except it's not because it's the raw reaction show of course it's the day after the last Arsenal game which means we're here to talk all about it react to Arsenal's big three one win over Chelsea a much needed return to form a very it's a much-anticipated return to form. Four games without a winning feeling is a long time, especially in a season where you're considering yourselves title challengers. Yeah, we needed this, and we got it. Uh, good morning to everybody joining us live. Uh, NSW, good morning to you, to Francois, Josh, Lynn, uh, Bruce, uh, Matt G, Ans. we've got Lynn and Steve. Good morning to you, uh, Lord London. Good morning, and uh, Sandman Temi. Uh, we've got Gary going to dude, Morgie Alpha and plenty more of you guys as well. Always good to see so many regulars and irregular faces as well in the chat box. And uh, good, please do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new, and turn those notifications on so you never miss a show. Always, Wes says, caress that like button. Uh, just caress it and it will do the job. Uh that's going to get clipped. Um good morning and uh let's crack on with today's stories before I say anything else dodgy. Uh Arsenal back to winning ways uh with a 3-1 win as I say over Chelsea yesterday at the Emirates Stadium. I was at the game and it was uh it was a relief. It was a performance that certainly I think uh allowed us to kind of recapture what we have kind of been doing for much of this season, which is dominating possession, creating some fantastic chances, Odegaard at the centre of it all, and we'll talk about him again shortly. But I have to say, and it would be unfair if I didn't say it, and I want to say it, Chelsea are terrible. <laughs> Chelsea are Chelsea are absolutely deplorable. Like, I've seen the majority of Arsenal's games this season in the flesh, uh, the rest I've seen, obviously, watching on TV, but I think they're the worst team I've watched Arsenal play. Like we batted Everton four 0 and they offered more than Chelsea. Like in the first thirty minutes or so, Palace offered more, Leeds offered more, Southampton offered more, Leicester offered more in the in the in the home game, <laughs> in the away game. They had zero point zero one xG, of course, but uh, still, even then, they were trickier to beat. Fulham, Fulham offered more. Like they were pretty terrible. Sure, like when we played them at, uh, at, Canary, at Canary Wharf, a Craven Cottage. Um, but I think that I think Chelsea might be the worst team I've seen this season. They might be the worst team in the Premier League, which is a frustration, actually, in a way, because Chelsea obviously still have to play Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium. Now we can hope that somehow, some way. Um Chelsea find some form before they play City. But I just, I just can't, I cannot get into the mindset that I will see that happen. Um, based upon what I saw. Now, a couple of players I like. Madueke, really like him. He's one for the future. Chelsea need to make sure that they try and put more minutes into him. Enzo Fernandez, I thought, you know, impressive. A hundred million, not sure, but impressive. And Aubameyang booed. So, Aubameyang was... I I was watching the warm-ups before the game started and Chelsea were uh, doing a shooting drill towards the clock end. And Aubameyang had a shot saved, um, I think it was by Salina, the uh, backup goalkeeper, the third-choice goalkeeper... And when he had his shot saved, the cheer from the clock end was hilarious. Uh, and I'll tell you what, Chelsea were doing this shooting draw and they kept missing and missing. and missed. They must have missed about seven shots in a row. And Aubameyang was like the seventh player to miss. And it got the biggest cheer. Uh, one of the biggest cheers of the night, to be honest. And uh, that continued into the game. We were talking about, before the game, I was talking with Harry, uh, Harry Simu, ahead of the game. I was like, do you think, do you think they'll boo Aubameyang? And he was like, "I wouldn't." And I said, "No, I don't. I don't think I would either. Um, I'm just not a booey type person, <laughs> to be honest. Um, although I do float in water. That was a terrible joke. Um, but I think that uh, booing players that have, you know, won us an FA Cup, he did win us an FA Cup. But well, we can't do that. But it tells you kind of the way that um, it tells you kind of the way that Arsenal have now really swung the momentum and, and, and the way that we talk about Aubameyang and the Arteta dynamic and if Arsenal weren't doing too well maybe Aubameyang would be better respected if Arteta was kind of the villain in this scenario but with Arteta taking Arsenal to second in the league or top of the league at the moment um, and potentially to a title if we keep our fingers very much crossed uh, <laughs> it was always going to swing that way and the atmosphere in the Emirates was, again, back to its best. It uh, really was fantastic. So, yeah, the performance uh, overall, I thought, was exactly what we needed before going up to Newcastle on Sunday. Um, there were some changes to the lineup, which we'll talk about shortly. But I thought the play, some of the football, the way in which we were so direct at times, was really good. We could have scored more. It could have been four or five or six, as Arteta said in this post-match press conference. And that was exactly what we needed um, to kind of just give us that momentum back. And it felt like the, the the life had kind of been really put back into the Arsenal team somewhat that had been missing. And it does frustrate you because you, you wish that we'd put some of these performances in over an extended period against some of the other sides. What I will say is that obviously we were great for the first 60 minutes. The last 30 minutes, there were a fair few questions, I think, about some things. Now, that's not surprising because when you go three up or you look at teams when they go, like you look at the Newcastle Spurs game, right? When Newcastle went five new up in the first half. Yes, they managed to get another goal in the second half, but you tend to see teams kind of drop off in the second half when they've got a sizable lead from the first half. They do that because they want to maintain fitness. They kind of want to manage the game. It's also something about testing uh, the defensive side of things and, I wish maybe we'd gone for the juggler a bit more. But considering this was a Tuesday night game and we play again on Sunday, I think for me that's that's really important that we did manage to rest and we did manage to manage the game through and we didn't overextend ourselves. But there was a disappointment with Gabriel Magalhaes towards the end of the game. I don't know why he didn't come off sooner. He kept he was involved in a couple of moments where like he was being really kind of testing and stretching his body to his limits. And he was pulling, he's holding his hamstring at one point and then went down holding his knee at another point. I hope that he's okay because otherwise it's going to mean holding a Kivio in the back too, which I'm not going to lie, gives me reason for worry. But I'm hoping he's all right. He's a tough fellow, is Gabriel. So hopefully everything is okay and we'll get some positive news in the press conference on Friday. So let's talk about some of the specifics. Martin Odegaard, 22 Premier League goal contributions. I can tell you that with four games left to go this season, he has already doubled his goal contributions from last season. Everybody that challenged Odegaard said he needs to score more, needs to assist more, needs to do more. He has responded like nothing else. And whether or not he can do this over an extended period of his career, whether or not we can expect this to happen again next season, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure whether or not we're going to go see him Do this next season. But I think that what Odegaard is, is just a force of nature in a sense that whenever Arsenal control possession and that we're dominant in a game, he is the catalyst. It's like, have you ever seen those scientific videos where you throw a bit of potassium or sodium or um, there's one other, I can't remember what the the element is, but you you know those science experiments where you throw it into the water and it just starts fizzing and spiralling. Like, It's like that. It adds so much energy and so much creativity and flair when we're in possession that it just levels Arsenal up. And Odegaard has levelled Arsenal up this season. Um, And I think that the big thing that Odegaard needs to work on now is that when we're not in possession and when we're in a position where, if you think about the Man City game, for instance, where City controls so much of the game, that he needs to find a way of now influencing matches where he's not in where Arsenal aren't in control he needs to find some methodology of getting into the game when Arsenal aren't you know the the leading and dominant force in fixtures or where there's periods where Arsenal are without the ball for long periods he needs to find a way in which he's going to integrate himself better otherwise Arteta needs to recognize it and take him off but in these types of games which thankfully Arsenal are for me in The ascendancy more than they're not. I think that it's gonna be great to see Odegaard continue to flourish, and and that's that's absolutely fantastic. Now, eight wins in a row with Trossard in the starting eleven. He's got to play. <laughs> he has to play. Like you can't you can't ignore the stats. Like for me, I'm really glad that Gabriel Jesus started this game, and I want to see Gabriel Jesus continue to, to, to play. But Trossard just has to be in the starting 11. And at the moment, because you can't go eight games in a row winning with him starting, you drop him for four and you don't win any of them and ignore that. You can't ignore that. His technical ability, every time he's on the ball, you think something's going to happen. His drive, the speed that he possesses, the, the intelligence that he has when he's on the ball. Now, whether it's, rotating players out of the front three, like what Liverpool have done with Jota in the past. Whether, you know, you, you just drop Jesus for one game or you drop Saka for one game or you drop Martinelli for one game or you drop Xhaka for one game and you play Trossard in the left eight role, or you drop Odegaard for a game and try Trossard in that right eight position. He is good enough that he can play in any of those five roles for me. Any of those five positions. And for me, that gives Arsenal the opportunity to play him. And when we do our preview shows and we come up with our lineups, it's going to get tough. It's going to get really tough to now do these previews because I want to try and fit a uh, Trossard in. But I don't want to be the guy to choose who drops because everyone's been doing so well this season that you can't like... Jesus is now on 15 gold contributions. Saka, I think, is on 20-plus. I think well over 20, like, 24 gold contributions. Odegaard's on 22. Martinelli's on 20. You know... <sighs> Trossard, it's, it's so difficult to kind of, you know, find a place for him, but he has to play. So, let's see what happens in the next few games. I think we need to do some more rotation. I think that Arteta is uh, hopefully learning that. And we saw that in yesterday's game. But uh, I think Trossard has to, has to start. Somehow, you have to get him into the team. Jorginho, Um I love the chanting. The chanting throughout the game was excellent and uh, completely predictable. And I loved that. I was very impressed uh, with Jorginho's performance. I liked the controlled calmness that he brought to the game. I liked the little long passes that he did at moments during the fixture, not often, but during some moments. And after Thomas Partey's last two games where he has looked emotional, uh, out of control at times, um, and... Where you look at what Jorginho brings is, yes, he's not the fastest. Yes, he can give the ball away and get turned. And it leaves us a bit open and spread. Jorginho is just a very, very good footballer. You can't really say too much more than that. He's just a very, very good footballer. And we've brought him because he's brought experience. He's brought a much higher level of quality than what we had existing at the club already, but what Partey was already there to do. And I don't see a reason why Jorginho should be dropped necessarily for the game against Newcastle. I think like anyone else, Partey has to fight for his place back in the squad. And I think Jorginho has deserved the opportunity to start. And, you know, he's been one of those players that when he came into the team after the January window, had his moment against Aston Villa, played a few games, when he dropped out of the side again and Partey came in, it was almost as if like people forgot how good that he is. And... All of a sudden, when we dropped points in these last four games before Chelsea and people were starting to batter the club again about the January transfer window, for some reason, Jorginho was being brought up again. And Jorginho was being brought up as like, we only got Jorginho and Trossard, we failed the January. Are you kidding? Jorginho has been a key part of why we've been able to sustain the challenge to the extent that we have. And he is a really important part of this squad and was a really important signing that we had to make in January. When we weren't able to get the players that we absolutely wanted and we really tried to get in Rice and Caicedo, because they just weren't available and they weren't for sale at that time, instead of panicking and spending huge money on like a plan D, E, F or whatever, we instead thought, no, what we're going to do is we're going to hold this. We're going to hold this investment to the summer. We're going to get in a very good option. On a, on a cheap fee, on a short contract, that's going to help us in the best way possible to the end of the season. And Arsenal acted very smartly when they got Jorginho. And I think that went under the radar and was immediately regretted after the incidents at Aston Villa and the performances we saw around that game. And I'm so glad to see him back into the team. I'm so glad that Jorginho is, is again showing why that January transfer window certainly was not a failure by any stretch of the imagination. Time to talk about Kivior. I thought he was good. I, I, I'm not going to go and say he was amazing. Uh, I'm not going to go and say he was brilliant. I thought he was good, and and that's all I want. That's all I can ask for of Kivior. Um, that's that's all I want is is, is the, the defender to be good. If you def- if you get to the end of the game and you can say your defenders have been good, then you've probably won. That's the outcome. You know, if you, if you can turn around and say that our defense had a good game today then you've probably won the game or at least drawn nil-nil. And Kivior was good. I thought that his aerial jewels were... They were improving as the game went on. He lost a couple at the start, but they improved as they went on. His passing was good. His distribution was right foot, his weaker foot on the wrong side. He's never really played at right centre-back. I've certainly not recorded him playing in that area. Was good. I thought that his anticipation was the best part of his game. I thought the way he read the game was really good, cutting out long balls to Aubameyang, reading Raheem Sterling cutting in. So, by the way, I thought Ben White, I thought the performance overall probably masked what was Ben one of Ben White's less good games. I thought he got turned a few too many times and was actually out-physicaled by Raheem Sterling a couple too many times than I'd like. And I thought that the overall performance of the team probably hid a little bit of Ben White's deficiencies. And you know me, I'm one of his biggest backers, you know, biggest fans. But I thought Kivior covered those moments where Ben White was a little bit vulnerable and could just kind of dart into those spaces. You know when we got annoyed at Holding for being rash, running into the space, but not having the pace to get there in time? Kivior didn't really, he wasn't rash at all. He wasn't panicked. And when he had to move quickly, he had the speed to move quickly. It was that moment where Chelsea had that counter-attack and it led to a chaotic kind of pinball moment in the box in the second half. And who was the man to eventually stop the play and to get the ball under control? It was Kivior. He was the one that did it. So, yeah, very much happy with him. Uh, If it is that Gabriel uh, Gabriel is fit for the game against Newcastle, for me, you start Kivior again um, alongside Gabriel. And I think you continue with those two. Um, But yeah, Kivior was good. I don't want to overhype him. I don't want to go over the top like some fans are doing now, but he was good. And that's all I, can, all I can ask for. Now, the irony for Arteta, and there is an irony. Now, I did my winners and losers piece last night, and I actually put Arteta in my losers. And it wasn't because I thought he was bad or he managed the game incorrectly or there was any tactical issues or there was any in-game management issues that I had with the game. The reason why I put Arteta down in my losers section was because of irony. Um, And that's because it was basically to rotate the team now and to bring Kivior in now and to bring Trossard in now is a bit of a lose-lose situation for Arteta. Because had that not have worked and had we have lost or dropped dropped points in this game when we brought in Kivior and brought in Trossard and dropped Martinelli and dropped Partey, the narrative would have been, why on earth are you dropping Partey for a game against Chelsea? how can you drop martinelli for a game like this how can you throw in kivior into a position that he's never played before at right sided center back that would have been the that would have been the narrative and yet now the narrative is somewhat the opposite and yet arteta still finds himself on the receiving end of the criticism because the question mark is now the rotation has come too late why didn't we rotate somewhat in the previous four games why didn't kivior get tested after holding was, you know, arguably not as great as he could have been, not as good as he could have been in in other fixtures. Why couldn't Trossard have started any of these games? Arteta's area of development for me is always going to be his in-game management and his ability to rotate. He can rotate, and he showed that yesterday, but he needs to be more proactive with his rotation. And, you know, five games after, um, or four games after the first one we dropped points in, and the only rotation that we saw in those four matches that we dropped points in was forced rotation. So when Zinchenko wasn't available, we played Tierney um, and vice versa. You know, when other players weren't available, we brought someone else in. Vieira for for instance. Um, that that for me is the frustration. And I think why there's an irony around Arteta's rotation and why I put him in my losers section in my winners and losers piece it's it's because of that, um, but obviously he was very happy, and after the game he was very very happy indeed, and uh, he will be very pleased that Arsenal have managed to get themselves back to the top of the table, and that hopefully he can go into that game against Newcastle with good momentum. And uh, it's it's going to be very tough. The biggest, the probably the toughest game that we've got between now and the end of the season is this game against Newcastle, who are on really really strong form. St James's Park is a awful place to have to travel to and get a result, but Arsenal have motivation. Arsenal have motive. And uh, Newcastle, do too. So I'm expecting a very highly competitive game. Right, let's go to part two your questions, your thoughts, your theories, right after this. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Lovely job, right? Not only can you get some fantastic stuff on the channel, but you can also get our TGT non-profit merch. Now, of course, last month we donated £1,500 to the Arsenal Foundation fundraiser headed up by Elliot and the Arsenal Vision Guys and Andrew and Ars blog. Um, And this month, as we get back into the usual swing of things, we will, of course, be donating all of the profits that we make Evenly split to the Arsenal Foundation again and Macmillan Cancer Support. So make sure you get involved. Link down in the description if you want to support yourself. Some TGT headwear. Gold, reds, and grey are available as well as our USA-inspired uh, cap as well. So get your hands on it and go help some great causes. Right, let's go into the chat box and see some of the questions, what you are coming up with. Um TJ says, Tom, how early do you wake up to put together the slides? I woke up 50 minutes ago and can barely find my glasses. <laughs> TJ, last night on the train home from the game, I actually sorted this. So I was able to wake up uh, a relatively acceptable 7.15 a.m. and jump on and just upload the this, uh, this stream. So thankfully, I managed to do it last night. Usually, if I'm traveling back on the train from a game, I'm able to do uh just that so it is a lot easier to do these ones but uh when i'm away or in a hotel again it's 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 also trickier and i'll be doing that with newcastle i'll be doing a show from the hotel um on on monday morning next week if indeed i can it depends on when my train home is but hopefully i'll be able to do that um let's go to Barry's. how do people get in with tickets when we have to use our membership cards Uh, There's a lot of questions going on about ticketing at the moment. There was alleged reports of ticket touts being approached by undercover police officers yesterday. I need to get that fully confirmed, but I've seen rumours going around that that was the case. Uh, The Ashburton Army uh, did a protest inside the stadium yesterday where they left the game at kickoff and returned about, I think, 20 minutes or so. Into the game after we'd already scored the first goal, uh, I'm led to believe that was a protest regarding the like kind of accessibility to tickets and the the, the system in which Arsenal enabled people to move into the stadium, um, and also about how tickets are kind of transferred. I I have a lot of sympathy for this. You know, for me, I was talking to Harry in the press lounge yesterday about this problem, and I think that I think one of the ways that we can solve it is that if I think that IDs should certainly be attached two season tickets but i think that season tickets should have like three alternative names that you can put down because you can't go to every game and i know that people say put it on the exchange but if you're a dad a mom a brother a sister you know and you've got a season ticket and you want to give it to a family member or you want to give it to a close friend so they can go in place of you i think that should be something that you can do. And so I feel as though a season ticket holder should have like a list of people attached to their ticket that if they go in place of them and they show their ID, they can get in with the season ticket. I think that's one of the best ways to solve these problems. I think it stops the selling on of tickets. I don't believe in selling on tickets at all. You know, the touting of it, the the extortionate prices that they go up to on these touting sites, you know. But I think you should be able to give your ticket to a pre-arranged friend of yours um throughout the season i don't see why that should be the case you know rather than having to always put it up in the exchange if you don't have the access to give it to someone then put it up on the exchange great but i think that you know there needs to be more done um to make the ticketing system a lot more accessible um matt says does playing gabriel and kivior together End the you can't play two left-footed centre-backs together debacle. Now, this was a discussion between me, James, Benj, and Charles Watts in the press conference room before Mikel Arteta actually came in. And James then asked the question uh, to Arteta about um, the the left-footers uh, and about playing. Uh, I think it was James, maybe it was uh, maybe it was Charles actually, but there was a question asked about using players the same foot in those positions. I'm trying to find the answer um and i can't for some reason but there was definitely a question that was asked during the the press conference about uh left foot and and if it was okay to use players who have the same foot footedness if you like um yeah, I can't find it annoying. He did talk about Kiviori. He said he looked ready. He looked fresh. He looked really determined. He's been getting better and better every single day, not only in training, but his interaction and his language. He's more settled and he's a player that I really like. That's why I signed him. He has the potential at this age to be great. And he had a big task against the players he had to face today. And I think that he did really well. Oh, maybe he was asked the question. And he basically just didn't answer it. <laughs> I think. I think maybe James asked what he made of the two left footers and they also asked about what he made of Kivior's performance, and actually, Kiv- he just talked about Kivior. He didn't talk about the fact that we played with two left footers again. Um, so, yeah, I don't necessarily think that uh, he answered the question. Unfortunately, um, Lee says, "In your opinion, Tom Can Partey and Jorginho play on the same side if we need to tighten things up?" Yes. Yes, I think they both can. Uh, I think you can play Jorginho deep and I think you can play party next to him. Uh, you can play a double pivot if you wanted to. That's what I thought we should have done against Man City, to be honest. But uh, yeah, absolutely they can play together. Mark says, Zinchenko's defending has been very poor of late, hasn't it? Uh, he was caught napping on the only Chelsea goal and he gave away a similar goal against City. Look, yes, he, he he's defending... Leaves more to be desired. There were a couple of moments defensively where he actually did do some good things. That there was a cross to the back post that he headed away really, really well. He recovered possession on a couple of occasions really well as well. For me, Zinchenko's pluses outweigh the negatives. I saw a few people, I think, suggesting that they would swap out Zinchenko for Tierney in the next game. And look, I can absolutely understand why that's the case. But I think the game showed actually, especially with our first two goals the importance of of Zinchenko, the inside passes, the inverted nature of his game. We don't play some of the brilliant football that we've played this season if Zinchenko is not in that side. Uh, What he brings the way that we are in build-up is great. I think what we need to do is recognise in some games that we need to bring on Tierney sooner or start Tierney. Because against City, Zinchenko was exposed. Our half-time onwards, before half-time onwards against Liverpool... Zinchenko was exposed. You know, in these types of games, I think that's where Tierney needs to be better utilised in fixtures, and unfortunately, that that wasn't the case and hasn't been the case this season. And I think we need to be better at identifying when and when not to use Kieran Tierney. I mean, it, it should be relatively straightforward to identify the games in which we know that it's going to be better off using Tierney than Zinchenko, but. We'll see if indeed there's any changes, but I think he's still probably going to get sold to any in the summer. Uh, Triggy says, what are your thoughts on Saka's form? I thought he was great yesterday. I thought he was great. Always energetic, always a threat, always a a danger. I thought he showed great pace. All this talk of him apparently looking tired. He did not look tired yesterday. Great running, great directness uh, in his game. And uh, I wish he maybe added a couple more shots to, to his fixture, but, I thought he was great. Didn't look tired at all. And was very impressed by Saka's performance yesterday. Uh, Akabal says Can we get a fifth double digit goal scorer? Who's closest, Inketia or Xhaka? I think Xhaka uh, might be. I know Inketia's got what, four in the Premier League? He scored against Brighton, West Ham, and Man United twice. I think maybe Xhaka's got five. Xhaka does indeed have five. Trossard has one goal and like, something like seven or eight assists. Try and think of anyone else. I think Xhaka is probably the closest. I think we'll struggle to get a fifth, um, but having as many as we have right now is is really is really good. You know the amount of people that are scoring in this team, the amount of goals that are being spread throughout the side is a testament to the coaching and the system and what we're achieving. Uh, Van of Duty says are, Defe- are Zinchenko's defensive frailties getting more frequent, and does it concern you? Would you start Tiddy at Newcastle? Um, Newcastle is one of those games where I think maybe Tierney starting is the right choice. Do I think that he will? No, I don't think that he will. I think Zinchenko will start that game. Who's he going to be going up against? Is it Almoron? Um, Newcastle results. Who's been playing on the right hand side? Obviously, Murphy's been having a fantastic, um. Fantastic season as well, of late. I said not season, well, I suppose season. But lately, he's been playing very well. Uh, Murphy is indeed the player on that right-hand side, playing ahead of Trippier. Um, Very interesting because Murphy, I thought, was more of like a defender slash right back, and you know him playing in these positions slightly further up the field. Very interesting indeed. Almiron has played there too, so it'll be intriguing to see if he if he chooses Tierney. I think it will still be Zinchenko. Um, Arteta just has so much faith in Zinchenko and I understand why you know what he brings to the team in a in a build-up sense is is really important um, but Tierney I think in some games should be picked and perhaps Newcastle away is one of those games uh, Dave says I managed to get a ticket for the Southampton game and that was because a season ticket holder through a mate sold it on for face value that wouldn't work in a situation of just handing it to a friend I absolutely understand what you're saying Dave you know And a friend of a friend um, is unfortunately something um, that might, or not even a friend of a friend, just a friend in your case, um, it might be something that stops with this strategy. For me, a priority has got to be around stopping touting. To the best of our ability, it was good to see if if the story regarding the undercover police officers catching a tout are true. That's a good step forwards. Because I walk out of train stations, be at Holloway Road, be it Highbury and Islington, be at the Arsenal tube station. And as soon as you walk out, you are approached, you are um, by people that that say tickets, buying, selling, you know, you know the spiel if you've been to games. You know, it, probably not even just Arsenal games, but anywhere, any kind of event touting goes on. It's not exactly what's the word I'm looking for. Um Low profile. It's not low profile, is it? You know, it's fairly obvious what's going on. So it should be relatively easier to try and crack down on from a policing standpoint. But it's, Dave, I I think that at the moment, whilst that continues to be a problem, season tickets should be attached to one primary holder of the season ticket that, let's say, has to go to at least X amount of games. And then you've got, say, a list of three, four other people Throughout the season that you can give your ticket to, um, and then the rest, you know, you have to go onto the exchange. I think that's that's the way that it will have to work, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, oh dear, well, you can tell I'm tired. Um, Olu says, "Hey Tom, can we do this in the summer? Rice for eighty million, Kaiseder for seventy million, Gayhe for forty million, and keep Balogun. I mean, you make it sound so easy." <laughs> you make it sound like it's very, very much possible. I hope that, that we could do that. That would represent a fantastic summer transfer. And I still think that we still need a right back. Uh, so throw a right back in there. Be that a Fresneda, be that a boy, be that a wrench. Um, you know, uh, I think that's, that would represent a really, really good window. Um, so yeah, that might be the way forward. So I think you have to try and keep Tierney as well. If you're going to do that also. Um, Let's go to jack and nine. Oh, sorry, Jacka. I thought I was just talking about Premier League regarding goals. Um, I didn't realise you meant like across all competitions. And ketty you're on nine across all competitions. Yeah, um, but I thought you meant just just in the Premier League. Um, no, you're not boring me. I'm just tired. I'm sorry. <laughs> just I, I didn't get home until about well, I didn't get to sleep till about one a.m. last night, and I'm up doing the show tonight. I had to like run out of the, uh, the the Emirates basically because the trains were screwed on the way home. It was like rail replacement bus services from a certain point. So I had to make sure I get to the station. So I'm pretty tired. I'm not going to lie. Um, let's go to Chris. He says, Hey Tom, apologies if this comes out a bit negative. Uh, but do you worry after first halves that we dominate that the second half we go a bit flat and lack ruthlessness to get the five or sixth goal, fifth or sixth goal? Um, Chris, I absolutely understand why you asked the question. And look, I, I'd love for us to go on and, and win five or six new in games. I would have loved for us to win four by, you know, get the fourth yesterday because it's my school. I predicted in the lounge, annoyingly. Um, but I I think, that, I think that the way forwards still has something to do with managing fitness, managing second halves. If you go into a half-time at 3-0, the team talk rarely will be, all right, lads, more of the same. At the top level, it's not going to be that because there's so many games and there's so much expectation and so much of a demand on fitness. Often what teams do when they've got a sizable lead in the first half is drop off in the second is the performance isn't as intense? It's not as direct. It's more managing. It's sometimes hitting on the counter. It's sometimes allowing your opponent to get on the ball a bit more. It's just the way football is because there's so many games. Clubs and managers and coaches and the players try to rest as much as they can during second halves when the game's in your control. If you concede, like we did, that we did react to conceding the goal. We did try and fight, go and find the fourth, and we created a number of opportunities to do that. Jacques should have scored, you know, for instance. You know, I think those are the moments where. We need to be a bit more ruthless is once we've conceded or if we concede that we can then respond. I know we've responded quite well this season to certain goals happening, especially in the first half of the campaign, but we could be better this season. So it's not a concern for me at the moment, Chris. And I think there are reasons why we drop off somewhat in the second when we've got a sizable lead. And I think a lot of other teams do that as well. I use the example of Newcastle against Spurs, 5-0 at half time and I think the second half scoreline was 1-1. Um, Liverpool, 3 0 up at half time against Spurs. And, you know, they tried to manage the second half. It didn't necessarily go as well because Spurs came back into it and then they had to get a very late goal to win it. So I think it's about how you manage the second half. If you concede, you've got to respond and try and go and get the fourth. But I don't have too much of an issue with the way in which we manage games after getting a sizable lead. But it has to be after the, th- it has to be when you've got a three goal lead, certainly not a two goal lead, because we know how dangerous they can be. Um, Cody says, uh, do you think they will target the left side more if Zinchenko starts? Yeah, of course they will. Of course they will. Just like teams target Liverpool's right-hand side when Trent goes forwards. Just like teams will try and ultimately fail to target Man City's right-hand side if Stones drifts or if Walker's up top. You know, defences where you have an adventurous fullback are always going to be targeted. Even if Tierney plays, they're going to target. And by the way, Tierney, when he comes on, is not defensively perfect. He's not a perfect player defensively. He's better than Zinchenko, but he's not perfect. And what Zinchenko offers is going forwards is unfortunately for Tierney, just too good to ignore. And his contribution to the team is just too good sometimes to say, I'm sorry, we can't drop him. Yes, we're going to be a bit more vulnerable. Yes, Gabriel is going to have to do a lot of work on the left-hand side. But what ultimately uh, Zinchenko brings into the team, you, you can't ignore how good it is and the influence that he has when it works. And yeah, he's been a bit off in the last few games, sure. But I think, you know, again, against Chelsea, he was on it in terms of his contribution going forwards. And we got our first two goals because of some great bits of involvement from Zinchenko. So you can't forget that bit. Um, thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. We're going to end stuff there. Uh, I'll be back. Tomorrow, yes, tomorrow, uh, rounding up the latest Arsenal news. I'll hopefully be back on the Arsenal way this morning. I know we've not done a show in a little bit. Um, We're a little bit short at the moment. Alfie uh, has moved on from the Arsenal way. uh, He is elsewhere. So myself, Umar and Charlie um, are running things as best we can. But hopefully we'll have a show for you today uh, at 10 o'clock. I will get onto that. I can't promise it, but hopefully that we will. Um, But I'll certainly be back here tomorrow morning at at 8am once again. And tonight, there won't be a show, um, but tomorrow and through the weekend, hopefully there will be as we get closer to that game against Newcastle. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Drop a like, subscribe if you're new, and uh, yeah, have a fantastic middle of your week and make it through forcefully, happily to the weekend. See you soon, guys. Have a great one. And as always, up the Arsenal.